is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Off the Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, the London is Blue podcast. One of your hosts, Dan, here alongside Nick. No, Brandon. There was a happy hour that we weren't invited to because hmm. we're not in London at the moment, and so hmm. we're not having the opportunity to hang out as much in person, Nicholas. But you know what? We still have to give people what they want, and what they wanted in this midweek. Without a midweek match, was a mailbag episode, a little Nick and Dan Save the World redux. It's coming back. It's coming at you hot. And we've got some questions we need to answer. It's been a minute since we've done one of these. Uh, you know, the people, we, we left the people wanting more. And, you know, they decided, yeah, you know, we're going to do this. We're going we're gonna to submit some silly and sometimes really thoughtful questions and make Dan and Nick Save the world. And you know what? Luckily, I'm wearing my cape. Let's get going. All right. Well, before we jump into that, we want to thank everybody who's left wonderful five-star views on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you haven't done so yet, we would appreciate it because it helps people find the show. Then also, you can join us on Patreon and our Discord community. It's a great way to also support the show. Uh, I'll be, that is a financial way, and uh, you don't have to do that, but it's always appreciated. And then, Nick, one other way that people can appreciate us right now is with a little bit of a side project we've been doing, and I'll just teed up to you that's right at pod underdogs we have uh recorded a ted lasso watch along podcast where we break down each episode of ted lasso season one season two and now as of this recording episode one of season three has been released and we will be uh producing content for that live just like we do after chelsea matches right after you know the episode uh has aired and and we get people time to to watch it so if you can go uh on apple podcast on spotify on whatever platform you listen to us on and subscribe to the underdogs a ted lasso podcast produced by london is blue uh if you can rate five stars and review us that would just be fucking fantastic we need to get some uh some momentum behind the show and uh, i'd really appreciate it personally as the person who's uh kind of backed this this thing up so um yeah that would be great and uh, appreciate everyone's support uh, i did post a photo on our socials at pod underdogs of me and the ted lasso bench uh from from last week dan we, we visited richmond we recorded the season three preview from the pub. It was fucking great. That's a great time. And now we're back at work and doing the things that we are paid to do by our employers for 40 uh. plus hours a week. But again, we're fitting a little time in on this Tuesday evening as we record a Wednesday morning, evening, afternoon, hopefully when you're listening. And our first question is going to take us right to Christopher's, which a little light one, a little moose-bouche to set the mood. Just asking, are you fully, are you prepared to fund, uh, to kickstart Chelsea season for the next time they're in a lull? Some may call it a coincidence. I prefer to imagine it's a good luck charm. I think this is in reference, Nicholas, to the London is Blue Pod effect when we went over, at least in the men's team, the men have been in fine form since we went over. And I think Christopher just wants to know, would we go back? Would we do a fun rise? Would we make sure that we could go back again if Graham Potter and the team need us once more? Goddamn right we would. You're goddamn right we would. Um, now, look, <laughs> it's expensive. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I think, you know, what would be even better is if the UK government saw the good work that we were putting in and granted us some sort of uh, uh, extended stay, perhaps, maybe 
maybe a little visa action so that we could come and go as we please without some sort of limits on on that. But uh, yeah, like we, we had a lot of fun over there. Obviously, we know the team uh, is performing well on their own merits and that we're having a little bit of fun along the way with the good luck charm thing. But you know what? If if old Graham decides like, hey, fellas, big Champions League game coming up. I don't know if we can do it without you. We're going to. We're going to give you the old call up. We're on the next plane, baby. Don't you worry about it. Yeah, I just imagine that you're doing the I'm not leaving speech from. I am fucking leaving. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I viewed Nick as the next time they try to extradite him from (laughs) London and SW6. Uh, As we kind of move on to some more serious questions, we had uh, trash takes with is top four even realistic at the moment? And uh what we know I'm a discourse techie tiger, but Taylor asked the question, has the recent, it kind of lines with this, has the recent positive results changed the outlook for the remainder of the season and could we challenge for a Europa League spot? Nick, I got some data. Yeah, no, go for it, Dan. So 538, which is a uh, multi-purpose website, uh, probably fit more famous for its political element than its sports element, but we referenced them on the podcast before. They do a probability table for each of the top European football leagues. And for the Premier League right now, there are two teams that are 99% likely going to qualify for a a top four spot in Arsenal and Man City with the current points that they have on right now. They're currently projecting actually the if they simulated to the end of the season that Arsenal would win the league at 87 points, which is a, a dreadful, awful thought, and I need to banish it from the the front of my mind space. Man City would probably end up on 85 points. And then from there, you start to see that Man City has a 74% probability that they're going to qualify. And then you get into now this hodgepodge of teams that are United has 74%, not City. Correct. City's going to qualify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So Tottenham and Newcastle, both at 34% probability. Liverpool at 29, Brighton at 25, and then you get to Chelsea at a 2% probability. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yes, that's what I am. I am telling you that there's a chance. But our chance relies upon us picking up points against those teams above us who are in the hunt, like Liverpool, who we do have a match to play against, like Newcastle. Um, but you know, there's also the scenario where we really can't lose any more points if we are going to make that happen. It is a very long shot opportunity. Let me just give you the breakdown on who we play because I think this is important, right? And you'll note that in the table right now, we're still 10th, right? Um, Behind, sorry, pulling this up. I know this is thrilling radio that we're doing here, but Dan didn't put it in the script because he's lazy. Um, We are behind... Brentford on 38 points. Chelsea's on 37 with a plus one goal differential because, God, we love goals. Uh, so, so we had a chance to play them, though. We played yep. them on the 26. They're on 25 games played, though, so they still have a game in hand on us. Fulham on 39 points, but they have a game in, or we have a game on hand on them because they played 27. Brighton's only played 24 games at this point in the season, which is ludicrous. Uh, they'll, have, they'll play one more tomorrow. So Brentford tomorrow. Okay. and Brighton both have matches in this terrible double game week for fantasy Premier League managers. Yep. Um, they're on 39, though, so they're only two points ahead of us. Liverpool are five points ahead of us. 
uh, on same mattress played. Newcastle are seven points ahead of us in fifth on on 25 played, so they have a game in hand. And then Spurs are on 48, so they're 11 points ahead, but they have a we have a game in hand on them. Um, all these teams have better goal differentials except for Fulham. Um, so uh, that's that's who is ahead of us in the table. Now here's who we play. We have a. Uh, Everton team that's mm-hmm. on a little bit of resurgence under Dyche this weekend, who's going to set up in a four five one and shit house because that's what Sean Dyche does. We know that. You're Period. you're really taking a gamble there on hoping that there's actually going to be one player all the way forward. <laughs> yeah, it's a four six zero. Your classic uh, formation yeah. there. Um, or just a ten zero. Um, <laughs> it's two two backs of five. That's what's yeah. happening here. Yeah. Um, then we get Villa, who's only one spot behind us in the table. Um, that's on on April first. We got Liverpool at home, the makeup game from earlier in the season when we should have played them when they were in terrible form, but the Queen passed away, so that got moved. Then we have Wolves, who have I think kind of perked up a little bit from their early run under Lopetegui. Uh, then Brighton ahead of us in the table, right? Uh, so that's a chance to gain points. United, chance to gain points. Brentford, chance to gain points. Arsenal, God, wouldn't it be sweet? Wouldn't it be sweet to be to have our Spurs moment from 2015 against Arsenal? Oh, mwah, chef's kiss. Bournemouth, uh, who are weirdly odd. We don't know how they're going to play week to week. Forest, who we should beat. We should have beat them the first time. City and Newcastle to close out. Look, that's a lot. That's a lot to do. That's a lot of hard games in a row. But, you know, I mean, where does shit's happen? Like, teams go on runs all the time, right? I mean, Arsenal has been on a run. City have been on runs before multiple games unbeaten in the league. Once that momentum train starts rolling, it, it can go. You just don't, you know, the team just has to perform up to their capabilities. We know that we have... This season, Dan, been underperforming from a goal scored against our XG. Um, so if the team is able to regularly score goals, we don't concede that many. Like that is yeah. the, you know, kind of you look at the stats, you know, we're we're really from like a, a goals against perspective. Like Chelsea are on 26. Newcastle only on 18 are the best in the league. But we are basically with Arsenal and City in terms of goals against. Yep. They are on significantly more goals for. <laughs> so, you know, the form could be there. Yeah, and stats that will shock no one. We haven't scored a ton of goals this season, and we're paying the price dearly for that being the case. Look, I think it is more likely that we can get up to 7th, 6th, 5th, than potentially breaking into the 4th. I think you're now requiring... A lot of those teams above you in Tottenham, Liverpool, Brighton, United to just collapse. Like you're, you were hoping for what happened the past two to three years where basically fourth position becomes a hot potato and everybody basically just starts stubbing their toe or bumping their head or knocking their knee all the way to the end of the season, and we could pick up enough points against those individuals in the top four spots right now, the top five spots or top six spots, to make some headway in. But we basically need to be perfect. And that is, that's the issue here, is that we yeah. have not had a perfect run. We have been able to 
work against ourselves at time and to beat back our uh, our worst demons and find a way forward over that number of matches i think it's going to be difficult but it's it's not mathematically impossible or improbable it is just very unlikely yeah i mean you essentially have to go 12 games unbeaten in the league um to to really and, have and that a unbeaten sniff at run it. cannot include all draws they need to no, include a bunch no, of wins no. yeah yeah and you know, look, I think Arsenal and City, clear top of the league. But I think United have seen a wobble. Newcastle have seen a wobble. Brighton, week to week, you don't know what you're going to get. Wolves, week to week, you don't know what you're going to get. Brentford are always tough for us. But, I mean, there's some winnable games in there, too. Um, you know, and, and again, it's like, it's all up to us. I think if Chelsea walk into these 12 fixtures and go, we're better than you then I think probably 60 or 70, 70% of the time they will be. And yeah. that's just up to them. All right. So transitioning to another question from Sam CFC, uh, not Sam CFC central, but another Sam CFC asking, uh, do you think we'll end up buying uh, Joao Felix? And if so, how much do you think he's worth? Um, it's a good question. I mean, look, it's, I think week to week, you don't really know how the team is going to be set up. I think the wrinkle that we have right now, Dan, is that he is a very specific offensive threat, right? He is a number 10 stroke second striker, needs to play closer to a striker. We don't have a striker. We have a bunch of number 10s, right? We have... Uh, we have him, we have Kai Havertz, we have uh, Christian Pulisic, we have Raheem Sterling. Like, we, we don't have a whole lot of out-and-out. Stri- I mean, Broy is probably our, our best shot as a striker or or a bombing obviously, if, if he was ever in the squad, which he's not. So I think, I think this could get weird. This scenario could get weird buying him. Because of two reasons. And I'm not saying we shouldn't buy him. I'm just saying it could get weird because of these two reasons. One, if Kai discovers some form in a number 10 role, he's already on your books. He's already a player you've bought and have invested a shit ton of time and energy into. If he makes that deeper line role his own, I mean, that's a really tough competitive thing. Um, the second thing is that you have in Kunku reportedly coming this summer, who is another number 10. <laughs> um, you know, of course, Chelsea will be selling players this summer. But, um, you know, I think that is really uh, an interesting scenario to play against. Like, I think he's shown some incredible brightness, Dan, in areas where we haven't seen that in some time, some creative flair that we haven't seen probably since Eden Hazard was here with what he's able to do and just his vision. Uh, so it's a real toss-up. I don't know. So I think if Chelsea want to make it happen, just like anything else, else in the world, like it would be there as an option. Yeah, You're seeing positive comments. You're seeing a lot of interview elements that are coming out that are talking about how Joao is enjoying it, but also being the cautious, well, we'll wait and see what happens next season. We'll figure this out. Uh, very much the uh, Mendez media trained individual to every T crossed and I dotted in the way that he puts together his answers. 
I think what you'll want to see and what Chelsea are likely looking for is can a deal be done and structured in a way that either allows us to do a, do a Todd Bowley favorite, send a player to do a player swap or a player trade to include a player as a part of the deal to trade, 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 the trade, cash, trade. the cash dollar amount, bring that down because he's got a pretty hefty release clause associated with it. You know, we're talking and, and if we're spending a lot of money on other attacking players this summer, that then is going to become a question of where where are the spots because you are starting to fill the front attacking group with a lot of players and you're not removing any and you need gotta to get a striker too you got to get a real striker three you need probably need to remove three right now from what we are right at, now at easy. least yeah at least I mean the team and, and needs so, to be thinned out regardless yeah and so that's why like he only you know to his credit he only has one goal so far. He has three big chances missed. He's hit the woodwork a couple of times. Like it hasn't a hundred percent worked out for him yet. But I think there's a lot of optimism in just how electric he looks at times. I think there's been a couple of questions about some of his defensive work rate. Yes. There's also been a lot of reconfiguring in the side of the last couple of matches. So to me, I'm probably waiting until I mean, he's at eight games now with 587 minutes played across all competitions. So, like, we're approaching the 10-game mark, which should give us a little bit more statistically relevant data than what we've got right now before we, we start making the call. I would say, if I were just to guess at the moment, I would say we probably don't sign him permanently. Just with some of the other roster construction issues coming into fold in the summer, considering the need for more midfielders and potentially like goalkeeper is, is a big question mark as well. So like, there's just a lot that Chelsea still have to do with fixing this lineup. And I don't know if he's going to rise to be priority one above a couple of other areas. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I am giving him until the end of the season. Like I want a full sample size of work to look at to, uh, to see kind of how he fits in and how the team is. I mean, the last three games, the team has been formationally so different from the previous five games that he played that I would like to see how he fits continually fits into this. He's shown nothing but good work rate. Uh, You know, I think he's shown, some interesting flair and I, I hope that he is able to consistently convert because if he is then talking about our, you know, our mapping of the rest of our games, the 12 games left in the season or whatever there, you know, that makes our chances better. So yeah, uh, that's what I'm hoping for. I uh, and then uh, one run, one more to round us out before an ad break here, Nick, but Chelsea forever asking, are the Neymar rumors true? What are your thoughts about it? I'm personally not keen on this, especially when he is coming towards the end of his career and we're looking to have decreased wages. Uh, I think the answer is a resounding N-O that uh, likely, again, just a rumor, never going to happen. And uh, look, if it does, you can come back and clip this so we can enjoy it as a moment to say uh, it could be the Brandon Busby equivalent of uh, the David Luiz moment. But it feels highly unlikely that we'd ever see Neymar playing for Chelsea next season yeah that that uh ship has sailed uh we missed out on him in 2008 or nine and it it feels like it is just never gonna happen and i you know i also think that at this point in his career he is 
you know, it would be like bringing Eden Hazard back into the squad. Like he, he has one function. He's not going to do anything for you defensively. He's shown some really erratic behavior, uh, you know, in terms of like on field, not field. I, I think it's clear he wants to leave PSG, but to where is, is the better question. And, you know, the friendly landing spot at Barcelona with their cheating scandal and financial issues is probably not available to him unless he wants to go play. Yeah. In, All in, above board. No, definitely. Um, But yeah, I just I don't I don't think that's the right type of move. And it it would honestly cut against what the the new structure has put into place over the last uh, transfer window too. like we're buying young, not yet in prime talent to make them in their prime. Like Neymar is 34 now. Yeah, it doesn't fit any sort of profile that we're looking for. Uh, Actually, he is uh, 31 now. Oh, oh, so well, so I I I I overestimated by a few years. I just I just don't think it's gonna be. You know, he just it feels like he's been in our lives forever. I understand it, Nick. Well, he's been a professional since he was like 16, so you know, it's like a lot of a lot of wear on those tires for sure. Uh, we're going to take a real quick ad break. When we we'll be back, we'll talk about sponsor season, back three options, and potentially loan promotions for next season. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Bet you didn't see this coming. Hope you're ready to hear editor Jake's voice for a while in the ads. <laughs> this time we're coming with Shady Rays. Kick off the new year with new gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and more. Shady Rays is a world-class sunglasses company, independently built, that'll have you thinking you're wearing some of the world's top brands that you already know with durable frames and extremely clear optics. Not only clear optics, but clear ethics as well, having donated over 20 million meals to fight hunger with Feeding America. Something that we have done at London's Blue Podcast. So, and if you're worried you won't like your pair, they will exchange it, they'll give you a new pair, or you can return them for free within 30 days. And if you're worried you might break them, thanks to lost and broken replacements, you can get a replacement pair, no questions asked, anytime. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out the best deal of the new year. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code LONDONISBLUE, all one word, all caps, for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's right. London is blue, all caps, spelled just like the podcast. You know, the podcast you're listening to right now. You can see it in the title. All caps, one word, 50% off, two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try it out for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. All right, Nick. So as we continue to go through the list of questions, we had one question from Vefu asking, any idea on who will succeed three as our main sponsor? We, we talked about this before. Um, and the more that you think about it, I, I think because of the issues with tech around the world, like I don't think it'll be something in tech necessarily. Um, I think it will be something that both gives the club some sort of financial benefit, of course, you know, at, at the level that's requisite with the profile of our club, which is fucking huge. Uh, and also has some like net carry on benefit to the fan. Right. And, and I think that's a really important part of sponsorships these days. Right. It, it's not good enough anymore to have, you know, Etihad Airways and have $9,000 
plane tickets. Uh, you know, it's like, how can you do giveaways? How can you do promotional things? How can you uh, provide value to the supporters who are buying these 140 pound shirts every season with your fucking logo on it? Um, that That is... I think the the part that I'd be really interested in, and you know, we joked about Coors before, but um, I'd be really interested to see, you know, if, if a you know the right style of of brand comes along to you know give back to the supporters. We know that that is a uh, that would be a huge coup for for Bullying Co. Um, and I think would make that transition a little bit better, and you know, endear this sponsor to the fans a little bit more. Frankly, the interesting thing will be. And you, know, you mentioned this about just some of the global conditions, like m- the amount of money is going to be the primary issue. And it's going to be how do we get the money that we need? Because, you know, just to be frank about it, like if we don't get in the Champions League, like we're going to be looking into under every cushion <laughs> at Cobham and every seat. Under at Stanford Bridge to figure out like how do we get some additional money, some additional commercial revenue out of it. We saw the Chelsea Supporters Trust put out their comments around uh, trying to make sure that the rollback any type of ticket price increases because of the cost of living crisis is uh, not just in the UK but around the world and uh, pretty much every country. And so I think it it has unfortunately come at a very difficult time for Chelsea to go make these negotiations for a a major brand when any of them that are publicly traded in the U.S. are going to get some pretty heavy scrutiny on spending potentially 40 million to 60 million pounds, which would be some like right in that like fair market value, I think, for what Chelsea would want for a shirt sponsor to potentially make that investment at this point in the larger kind of you know, at work, we talked about the macroeconomic conditions like that. That is that's a headwind that's facing Chelsea right now as they look to go secure this. And so, I mean, you may not get the perfect partner now. Um, maybe something where you have to try to figure out something for the short term. But it'd be interesting to see. I, th- I think the reason why cores probably wouldn't happen is Singa still has two years left on their deal. A, an unfortunate amount of time for everyone who goes to <laughs> to Chelsea to enjoy uh, a pint potentially uh, in between that those those precious fifteen minutes between uh, the end of one half and the beginning of the number uh, another, but uh, I mean at least you can get Camden Hells in a can. I mean yeah or yeah, uh, yeah so I mean there there are yeah. options. I yeah it's it is unfortunate that but yeah I think the you know there are ways around getting out of that contract too <laughs> if they wanted to sure um, but I, I don't know if you want to spend money to get out of a contract when you're really trying to maximize like your yeah. commercial opportunities like yeah. I, I, you know uh, Clear Lake has a bunch of properties that they're invested in and that yeah. might play a, a great place for brand synergy to look um, but as we move forward Steve asked the question about once Thiago Silva's back, who do you see as Potter putting in his back three? Fafana, Betty Ashiel, Kulbali are like really great together right now. Kukurea is also impressing. He says, what a headache for Potter. I think, though, Nick, this is a headache that Graham Potter is happy to have mm-hmm. than once he's had earlier in the season where it's basically like, who's the next person up to be put in the back line? Because you're it. And uh, now he really has kind of a, a series of choices. I think in my mind, there's like a Champions League one and there's a Premier League one. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's where you were going within this, but that's where my mind went to in terms of maybe what the decision is. 
Yeah, it is because we had to make some really hard uh, team selection choices for the Champions League, right? Batty Shields not a part of the Champions League squad. So he's the Premier League starting left center back to me. Um, I think I would also... You know, I think Thiago Silva starts in both 11s if he's healthy, but I think in, in a world where you have to be careful with his health, um, my Premier League starting back three is uh, Fafana, Koulibaly, and Betty Shiel. That is kind of the, I think, a really stout, aerially defensive group. And then I think my Champions League back three, Three is Fafana, Thiago Silva, and I. I say I it. Think say I, it. I don't. I don't really want to. Do. You want to say it? <laughs> it might be. It might be Kukurea. I don't know. Uh, it, it. It's like either Koulibaly on the left or it's Kukurea. I, I think that's the the challenging part. I mean, it's clear to me that Trevo is not going to function. In this, which is really sad because I think he has not done anything wrong this season. You know, the, the games where he had a shit game, the rest of the team had a shit game. Um, but I, it's clear that he hasn't really earned back that trust yet. Um, and so, you know, my ideal one would be Trevo on the right, uh, Thiago Silva in the, in the middle, and then Fafana on the left because I think he can play both. But yeah, if you're, if you're just going with the left footer, you're probably going to go with Kukurea, which is odd. So I think it's going to be heavily matchup dependent too. Like I think it's the other thing. Like we play Everton this weekend. I mean, I don't know if I love the idea of of Kukurea being the left sided center back in I that don't. matchup. No. Um, so I think what we are going to see is that this now gives Graham Potter an option to be a little bit more matchup or situational in in what's going on. I do think the Kukurea. Fafana plus either Thiago Silva or Koulibaly as the Champions League um, back three makes the most sense, particularly if you're going to have Chilwell and Reese on the sides so that you really do want them to press forward. The aggressiveness of uh, both Fafana and Kugrea was really appreciated in the tie against Dortmund, and I think it just suited us to the you know, more European style of football that we were, were playing in that regard. And so, you know, I, I think... It feels harsh to, to Koulibaly, though, too, who's had a really great run, has finally started to acclimatize, has found his footing within this side and within this team. Uh, and also, you know, is, is I, I just, one of the I, few that's been able to find a goal from our, our center back lineup. Th- that is true. That is really true. I, I think when I've seen Koulibaly on the left, though, I just I don't get the same yeah. vibe as when he's in the center because I sure. feel like he's 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 a little more reckless when he plays on the left. Um, and I like him in that more controlled center role more. So I think it's, you know, it's a good spell for Thiago Silva, though, right? Is is just making sure that he is healthy uh, for the biggest games that we have. We know that we have some big Premier League games. We know we have some big Champions League games. So Koulibaly and him can form that sort of, you know, tag team partnership in the middle. Um, you know, one tags in, one tags out like that. That would be fantastic. All right, so then we have another question here coming from uh, Fred Lebach at CFC asking, what lone players should be in the first team 
next season. I think, Nick, there's probably one name that jumps to mind, but maybe we'll see if we can add one or two more. But I'll let you take the one that's probably the easier selection. Well, yeah, it's Ian Motson. Um, it's especially poignant today because we're, we're hearing rumors, although I don't think confirmed quite yet, that Burnley are going to have a transfer ban next year. Um, and so if Burnley do go up to the Premier League, I don't think... Uh, they're going to be able to uh, do a deal there, unfortunately, which means that, you know, we we get to be smart about who uh, who we bring in uh, to, to the squad. And and again, I, I look at this, Dan, as like, you know, obviously it's it's Monson and Colwell are the two. Right. Just to be blunt about it. But uh, I, I think given Chilwell's injury record and our depth at center back that Matson is, is the number one for me just because of depth. And the only other interesting one would be, you know, I, I don't know if you saw uh, with uh, uh, Spezia, but uh, they had a pretty nice win over Inter Milan. Ethan Ampadu had a very, very strong performance in that match. And uh, you know, a friend of the pod, uh, Dimitri, was putting out some uh, wonderful radars and was like, ah, you know, this... This might be something worth we're trying next year as a you know kind of that second mid option. I mean, he's always felt like he's on the periphery, kind of knocking at the door, but nobody's ever home. I think he might be one that if you're not finding the midfield target you're after, and uh, uh, I'll let you know that uh, Sam and I are doing a pod on a, a couple of players that uh, he's identified, which uh, there there are a few there beyond just Rice or. Uh, Regate, there are a few other midfielders out there that kind of fit the profile of what Chelsea need, and so you you could get a, another player. Also, also Malagusto is going to come back. He's officially a Chelsea player who was on loan. To, technically on loan, so, yes. It's, it's, good. it's a good one. So just throwing that out there. But uh, Andre Santos on loan, mm. coming back. I mean, he's coming back, <laughs> right? Like that that one. I, I think it's those four, right? I. I I think the oddball, and I think maybe could be, you know, you talked about make weight and transfers is is Lukaku, who's not having a good time of it at, yeah. at Inter Milan right now. I mean, he's probably someone you move on. Bakayoko, thank God, is out of contract. Oh, no, not until 2024 for reasons. Uh, fuck. I mean, my God. Lukaku is an interesting one. I think there's a whole pod we can have about that. I actually think he was my thought in the uh, in the what do you offer Atletico Madrid uh, if you're yeah. trying to get Joao Felix? Is that potentially a a route something that they would consider? Um, you know, they they definitely don't aren't short of wanting an attacking option, and they might be making managerial changes as well. So there, there's a lot to consider there. Uh, but that's kind of like it for, I think, the lone players. And also maybe out of a crazy left field because it doesn't feel like it, Nick, but we're also getting close to transfer season again. doesn't Ugh. feel like it ever ends. Ugh. But Lou asked the question, there are rumors about selling Chilwell in the summer, two years left on the contract, injury history, and the fire sale? Sounds stupid to me. Agree. Your thoughts? Uh, well, the the rumor is around selling him to City, so the answer is fucking no. Um Thank you for asking uh, anyone on this, but you can't sell him. You don't. You don't have a legitimate backup right now. As much as we like Ian Matson, Chilwell is one of our best creators. 
He's one of the best left backs or left wing backs in the world. And he's won the Champions League for us. So, no, I will not be selling Chowell if I was uh, reporting up to Todd Bowley and, and talking about players that we need to sell this summer. Yeah, I think that is a fair statement as well. Uh, you know, uh, Ben Chowell has, uh, you know, won, you know, won the Champions League. As, uh, as many people reminded, the fans in Leicester uh, over the weekend. Uh, we'll take one more ad break real quick, and then we'll get into a couple last questions and maybe a few lightning round, depending upon where we're at. But uh, thanks again to these sponsors for supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, Nick, a favorite topic of yours, celebrations. Pillow asking the question, which player would you like to see celebrate with you worm after scoring? Well, we saw Pulisic do a, a worm uh, for, I, I believe it was a, um, a kid uh, who, who was going through a tough medical situation. So uh, we've seen that. I don't, I don't think we need to see that one again. Who would I like to see do the worm? Who's the craziest one on the team? Well, I'd like to see Kovacic do the worm. I think that would be a lot of fun. He has some, mm. good, some good crazy facial expressions as he's doing the little thing. That would be, that'd be great. So I think there's two wild card ones that I came up with. Graham Potter. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow registers himself, subs himself in, gets onto the pitch and then scores. Really great idea. Here we go. I I have the scenario for it. Last day of the season. Chelsea chasing down top four after winning 12 in a row. We score the winning goal to make it into top four. Graham Potter drops down to his stomach and worms his way over to shake the opposition manager's hand. Bam. That's it. So, okay, the two, the two that are, are more <laughs> likely, but not, not necessarily much likelier. Uh, look, I think N'Golo Conte needs a goal celebration. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that is not just not knowing how to celebrate. I think an N'Golo Conte worm would be just magical. Because anyone else doing the worm is going to feel a little forced, but N'Golo Conte doing it is like, it's just N'Golo Conte. Like, he gets away with whatever he wants. Uh, the other one for, like, pure shithouse would be uh, Kepa somehow scoring a goal and <laughs> <laughs> doing the worm in the box. Kepa makes a lot of sense. Honestly, Kepa makes a good amount of sense. That would be fun. Uh, you're welcome. All right, so we have questions from uh, Leo Jick and also Steve again asking, um, so if Graham Potter wins 50% of his remaining games this season, would you want him in charge for preseason and the next season? And Steve was asking, can we also refer to Potter as the boy who lives since he made it through a tough spell? <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. See what you did there? Of so many calling for his sacking, serious question. Uh, if he wins 50% of the remaining games, we have 12 Premier League games left. Plus five Champions League games. Maximum. Dan's already pre-counting. That's a lot of fun. Um, I'll just look at the league. That would give us an additional 18 points, which would put us, what, 60, almost, no, 56 points total. Okay. Right? And 56 points probably gets us in the... Europa Conference, I would say. Um, mm, conferencely. So I think, I think if you go on a run and you don't get blown out in any of the losses, right? You can't, you can't get shellacked six nil to Arsenal. You can't. You just you gotta do better. Then I don't think you have a choice but to keep him because 
you know, like, no, yes, of course, underperformed the team underperformed the season. But if we see the team play better and performances improve and we start scoring goals and we start winning more, I, th- I think you'd find it hard to can him. And I know that will upset 50% of people and that will make 50% of people happy. Uh, I just don't, I don't see Bully sticking with him through a really tough patch and then having an above average patch and then him being fired. That's just me. Look, he only needs to win five more to keep the job for me until next season and beyond because uh, they were playing for a Super Cup, a Club World Cup, and, uh, you know, just getting ourselves again another registrant option into the uh, new Club World Cup format, which uh, (laughs) Chelsea are. Grandfathered into a spot oh, thanks to winning the Champions League and uh, the Club World Cup in the uh, prior season. Um, I think, regardless, he will end up being the manager next season because I think there's a lot of investment that Chelsea already have. I think what we all hope for is a continued run of form, continued future progress and positivity the way that we've seen right now. I, I think there's a lot of winnable games in here. Like, I, I don't think... It, no no team is perfect in the Premier League this season. No team is perfect in the Champions League. If you swerve getting Bayern Munich and City in your draw, like, you... Completely wide open. Completely wide open. And I know, Nick, you know, you keep on telling me we're sleeping on Napoli, and I appreciate that. But Chelsea have good history with Napoli and the Champions League being the start of a run. The start of a run, Nick, My into damn. the final. Damn. Dan, I know. This is how Dan, we're saving the world. Always, you always have to take it to such extremes. I, I don't understand. What 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 makes you and I'm, I'm I know Ollie listens, so I'm calling Ollie out here too. What makes you guys think, given form, that we want Napoli right now? Have you seen them play this season? I think they're playing the best football in Europe, period. The end of story. Like they're better than Arsenal, I am sure of it. And they're better than any team in La Liga right now. Like, th- this this team is not to be fucked with. I don't want them on our side of the bracket. Yeah, I, look, I think, so would you rather have City or Bayern Munich? Uh, I'd rather have Bayern, yes. Oh, wow. Okay, this is interesting. Uh, we, we watched the, we, we saw two different things when we watched them play PSG. I think yeah. they were fine. I don't think they've been spectacular this season. They're certainly struggling in the league, so... I, I don't think you want City. I don't know if anyone can really handle the big monster when he gets going. He's coming off a five-goal game today. He's fucking nuts. But, like... Pull, pulled off early because Guardiola didn't want him getting six. <laughs> I, I don't think you want Napoli, Madrid, or City. I think those are the three teams to avoid. I think the rest are beatable. Yeah. I, I do think it's uh, it's in the in the cards that Benfica is probably the draw that ends up happening for us just because of all the shenanigans the last <laughs> Two thumbs uh, up. three to six months here with Benfica. And that would be uh, quite a lot of fun for the Benfica boys to go back and uh, try to make it happen against uh, their former team. But last one of the uh the serious questions here nick and this one is underdogs crossover a little ted lasso mm-hmm. special and that's adam asked the question who are chelsea's roy kent jamie tart danny rojas and sam obasanya uh we, we we did a little putting our heads together before answering this question before before we you know it's a rare a rarity that we prepare for a question in a mailbag <laughs> instead of being completely surprised uh but uh, yeah, we were thinking about this. Roy, obviously, gruff, 
tough, uh, swears a lot, uh, funny, uh, caring, a leader, right? Like these are the qualities of a Roy Kent. Uh, and I think we, we ended up doing kind of a fun thing here, Dan, uh, between we, we took the Chelsea men's team and the Chelsea women's team, which could be a weirdo crossover thing, but we did it anyway for fun. Uh, read out the men's option for these, and I will read out uh, the, the Chelsea women's option. Uh, so Roy Kent, we went with uh, Mateo Kovacic. And part of the reason why he's had to be a little bit more of a senior player, had to be around when Chelsea won some stuff, lifted some trophies, but also had to be a little bit of an individual who's you know, put a foot in, a, a little, little shit house here and there, yeah. and uh, he kind of fit the bill. I mean, in, in prior years, like this, this obviously is very much a model of a John Terry character. <laughs> um, um, but like we we didn't have that individual to necessarily point to, and Thiago Silva felt just a little too clean of an answer here. Yeah, Thiago Silva's not. Uh, not as as much of a bastard, bastard with bastard feeling, right? So, uh, on the Chelsea women's side, this is a very easy answer, and that is Millie Done. Bright. Millie yeah. Bright, uh, vice captain, who is captain when when Mag does not in, uh, loves a hard tackle. Uh, we've witnessed this in person multiple times. Uh, is full of shit house and is funny as hell. Uh, just I absolutely love Millie Bright. Everyone knows that. So those are your two options for Roy Kent. Eat your heart out. Uh, Jamie, the next tart, 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 is, uh, so you went with Hakim Ziyech here. We went with Hakim Ziyech for the men's team. Yeah, let's, let's describe old Jamie here, right? Jamie, uh, bastard coated bastard, a uh, bit of a soft side, prodigy, right? Incredible talent. Uh, we know because Roy said his, his uh, right foot's been kissed by God. <laughs> it makes him question his own faith, Right. And we know that he's he's a little shit house too. Like we know that when when they give him the signal in season two that he turns it on and, and really gets stuck in with the opposition. Ziesh felt right to me, Dan, because Ziesh has that kind of swagger about him. He has a little bit of the extra edge. And we we were looking at Chelsea's lineup. There are a bunch of really nice guys, a bunch of sweethearts in the team. It was it was kind of tough to figure out uh, who who this player might be. But I think. I think the foot being kissed by God kind of sealed it for me on Ziyech. The only other person we thought it might be is, uh, is the is Kai Havertz. Like that was the only other one yeah. that was in the in the realm there. But I think for the Chelsea women, also just it was a simpler choice. It was, and that's Lauren James. I mean, you want to talk about just talent out the wazoo? You want to talk about the uh, friendly shoulder barges <laughs> that she gives in in plenty of matches? You talk about the skill moves. And you talk about just the air of of like I'm the best player on the field. Like that's that's Lauren James, and uh, I, I absolutely have loved watching her this season for the Chelsea women. Next uh, one, yeah, Danny last one, Rojas. No, two more, two more, oh, two more, two more. Yeah, come on, Danny Rojas, full of joy. Dan loves scoring goals, loves being a vibrant character, loves bringing positivity to a team that desperately needs it. Uh, who do you think? represents that for the Chelsea men. We've oh, got the most important thing. Football is life for him. Football is. is life. And because of that, there was only one name that came to mind for me from men's team. That was N'Golo Conte. It's a great shout, admittedly. I mean, the smile alone just lights up a room. Uh, you know, they're both two of the better players on their team. Uh, he's the best player on our team, but uh, absolutely fantastic. And this was easy for the women, too. It's Sam Kerr. Flips, tricks smiles, bold celebrations. 
uh, funny. Uh, th- this is an absolute easy one across both teams. Love this one. And we will round it out, Dan, with probably uh, the biggest sweetheart of the whole bunch, the guy who cares about the environment, the guy who wants to do the right thing, who's who has a little bit of internal turmoil uh, that goes along with it, Sam Obisanya, the guy that everyone roots for. Leads through influence sometimes, not necessarily mm-hmm. because he has the armband, but is able to win the hearts and minds of others around him. And for that reason, we went with Raheem Sterling on the Chelsea men's side. Raheem's done a ton of charity work. He is an inspirational leader within the England squad and is just generally well regarded amongst, I think, the footballing universe. And on the women's side, uh, again, a pretty easy choice. Mag Derrickson. Uh, she has been absolutely fantastic as a captain for, for Chelsea Football Club. We see that Sam gets the captain's armband at some point in season three for Ted Lasso. So there you go. Uh, but she, obviously she is a huge advocate for human rights and has a really fun show that she does on YouTube uh, with her partner, Pernilla Harder. So uh, we think all of these are pretty decent crossover calls, but we want to hear yours. Uh, so tweet at us, DM us, let us know what you think, because we had uh, made a little bit of a hard time putting these together. Yeah. So as we kind of get, rolling out of this one nick we want to thank everybody for the questions in this episode um definitely gave us a lot to talk about and go through particularly in a week where we didn't have any midweek matches and so again it's a rare thing it's a rare opportunity enjoy the moment and uh go listen to the the underdogs because that's the thing people should be doing if they need a little more of us in their earballs this week football is life dan Football is life. And that's going to do it for this one. We appreciate you so much for listening and so much for sending all these questions. We didn't get to all of them, but uh, thank you for sending them. We appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you. Hope you're having a, a nice day and week, whatever you're, uh, whatever you're into at the moment. Have fun. Uh, until next time, though, Chelsea fans, do what you do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>